0: I'm bringing Ford WD-40 in next week. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the All Things Random Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Love. Co-host... Jay Crowder. All right. Bro, fuck, a fucking guy shows up with new equipment. I
1: All know. Way. So if my mic sounds a little funky, I'm sorry. We're still trying to work out the uh, settings on it.
0: We have a, we have a guest in studio today. keyvon Binder from Dr. Flu. Did I get your name right?
1: Yes, sir. Yes.
2: <clears throat> Long E short O.
0: Yeah. So... It's that time of year, folks, where you want to start your fireplace, whether it's a switch, gas, wood, pellet, pellet, yep, corn,
2: yep, just like your smokers, you could use pellets inside. Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) So,
1: what uh? What'd you start off, Jake? All right. What do you got? Well, um, I've known uh, Kevin for quite a few years. Um, he is married to a local uh, resident here and has become a resident himself. Um. I've uh, also actually worked for his company, which is a very good company. Um, I uh, did leave the company a few years ago because it is a young man's game and my <laughs> old wrinkly ass couldn't hang anymore. <laughs> it, was, it, it is a demanding job, uh, but it is a very rewarding job uh, when you're done doing an install and somebody is extremely happy and you've provided heat for their home. It is a great feeling. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, some of the things I want to get into is uh, as far as uh, the history of your company, you know, uh, when did you guys get started? How long have you been in the industry? You know, your story of, uh, you know, starting in the industry, working for your father um, and pretty yeah. much just uh, kind of go from there.
2: So we started October 17th in 1986. So 34 years in business. Uh, my father started it. Uh, we had just moved into Lenawee County. Um, he had a three-year-old son, I think. And that was me, obviously. And then a um, daughter on the way He was working for GM, Hydromatic Plant, and uh, he was laid off. So new house, two kids to feed, had to support the home. Uh, They were burning propane at the time. Anybody on propane knows, you know, you're spending a lot more money to heat your house. So he was looking for alternatives. And uh, the house he bought had an open fireplace in it, and he had been reading in Popular Science and different uh, publications on how you can make that more efficient so he decided that putting in a wood burning insert uh, for those that don't know what that is it's a wood stove that's engineered to slide into a fireplace and uh, we used to have a manufacturer here in blissfield that uh, was grizzly and that stove would slide in be connected to a piping system and run up through the chimney so he hired somebody to come out and do that he watched um, and really loved uh, working with his hands even before this his dad was a mason And uh, so he had, you know, some history in in masonry work. And when he saw the the ability to heat the house and how much he really enjoyed it, he decided that that'd be a good way to support the family. So he answered an ad in Popular Science Magazine or Popular Mechanics and uh, basically bought a uh, cleaning kit. So it was like a wood stove, uh, you know, brushes for cleaning out stoves, brushes for cleaning out chimneys and a big industrial size vacuum. And uh, kind of hit the ground, running
1: right on right on. Um now you brought up the um, piping material. Uh, what uh, what can people expect with that that type of uh, material that would be being used where it's just not like some single gauge, you know steel yeah. piping material coming up through a chimney or, out a window and up their side of their house. What are are some of the standards in that? So for a wood stove,
2: you're just going to put, you know, on an exterior wall of a house or up in the middle of your house, Uh, it does need to be chimney. So it's not just stove pipe. You've got pipe connector pipe would be in the same room as the appliance and it would connect to a chimney. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a chimney now and you did want to heat with wood, there are chimney systems Um, in Michigan. We require type HT chimney. Uh, Basically, they've been tested to 2100 degrees, which seems really really high Mm -hmm. but uh the creosote that builds up in your chimney when it burns can burn up to 2100 degrees so it's really important to protect your house one of the craziest things about what we do is we let people bring fire inside Mm -hmm. (laughs) last place you want fire right (laughs) and uh you know we want to do it with as little risk as possible Mm -hmm. Um, fire inside your house is never safe but um you know how how can we do it with the least amount of risk so those chimneys are stainless steel typically inner mm-hmm. you can get cheaper ones um that have like a galvanized metal or something on the outside to save some cost those things need to be replaced if they're seeing weather and creosote and stuff over the time but um up through a masonry chimney there's a couple different ways to do it you can always go to code minimum which is just a metallic lining system that can resist corrosion um there's uh, heat transfer that you do have to worry about. Uh, masonry chimneys, if they're built right, will have clearance from your building to the chimney itself. If it doesn't, there's lining systems with insulation that can help protect those surrounding combustibles in the event of a chimney fire. Okay. What about the uh, the metal materials?
1: What is what are you guys using?
2: Uh, stainless steel is really the go-to for someone that. Um, really wants to dive in and get the best out of it is going to be different grades of stainless steel. So there's, you know, a lot of us know non-magnetic, basically, you you know, you can't stick a magnet to some stainless. Well, Mm -hmm. other stainless steels you can. Um, Those are going to typically fail under this type of use, just because it's in an area that you do get a lot of condensing flue gases, water, a lot of acids. 316 kind of came out, or 316L, 316TI. So there's a lot of different grades depending on what you're looking for. And then there's even different thicknesses. So wood furnaces, which are gonna be the most susceptible to chimney fires, we typically suggest a thicker wall, mm-hmm. um, just so that if we're, we are getting into a chimney fire situation every year or every other year, it's gonna stand up long-term a lot better most of those systems are also going to have a lifetime warranty but they only cover materials not the ripping it out putting in all new so
0: how how long does an average wood stove last
2: average i would say i mean i'm seeing stoves that were built here in Mm blissfield um well taken care of we have one that's sticking out in my mind in tecumseh um old school teacher of mine and um she's really taken care of it well i see jake's head nodding he knows exactly who that I've, is
1: i've cleaned it a few times yeah. uh, yep, over there on blood <laughs> yep. road you yep. know
2: exactly yep. who it is um they they meticulously care for the thing mm-hmm. and um it, that thing's probably i don't know 25 years old yeah. she eats with it every day in the winter okay. and then i see people that buy a brand new one and door hinges are falling off because they haven't taken care of it Things inside are warping because of overfiring. Um, you know, you start up your stove, and it's it's really nice to keep the door cracked, so it's kind of like a blast furnace. Yeah. But then you go take a shower, or you get a phone call, and you forget about it. Mm-hmm. Come down, and the thing's glowing orange. Mm-hmm. That that would be abuse. Yeah. Um,
1: How often uh, should people get their uh, chimneys cleaned?
2: <laughs> if you're using them regularly there's no reason not to at least have it inspected to see if it needs to be cleaned annually. Um, if you're doing that yourself, you're looking for about an eighth of an inch of creosote buildup. Um, and for people that don't really know what creosote is, smoke is tar fog. Um, think when you're boiling water and that water, that steam is coming up and kind of condensing on your cabinets or your microwave, um, that, condensation that's occurring happens inside your chimney both with moisture but smoke is tar fog so as it goes up and cools off it leaves a tar deposit Uh, you guys talk a lot about smokers and stuff and you've seen that Mm -hmm. on your smokers that's okay in that small volume but now take it into a, a tube system put it up through a house or through a chimney allow that to build up you know eighth of an inch quarter inch half inch and then catch that on fire you've basically got an open rocket open on both ends and with draft it should be going up mm-hmm. but creosote will swell when it's heated uh remember the old in halloween um i remember my grandparents lighting these things for us they were the old snakes, the snakes? oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. July, snake and things. those things yeah. would just grow well yep. it essentially it was creosote that we were lighting mm-hmm. and uh that same thing occurs in a chimney mm-hmm. um old timers will tell you oh yeah we had the dragon and that's where flames were shooting out the front of the fireplace that usually happens because pressure is building up in the chimney like maybe a blockage in the chimney cap or through the flue because creosote swelled it shut mm-hmm. and that puppy's going to get oxygen so you know it starts to lick out of the front of the fireplace burn mantles walls yeah. ceilings mm-hmm. wood stoves is an old man's game it seems you know, like it i mean <laughs> you gotta cut fucking wood man <laughs> yeah i i grew up that way so i i swore that i would never heat with wood Mm -hmm. you know actually rely on it for heat because i'd get home from school i'd have a pile of logs dropped off that my dad sawed down to length yeah and then i had to split them stack them and uh it is a lot of work i you know they say wood heats you three times (laughs) you know (laughs) you split it you stack it and you burn it um but You know, it is something that uh, you don't need somebody else. You don't have to rely on the gas company to deliver your propane. You don't Mm -hmm. have to rely on, you know, natural gas to stay running. Um, You could be self-sufficient with it. Um, If you are going to do this and not have to rely on other people, definitely invest into some cleaning tools because that is where you're going to, you know, have the most risk. Right.
1: Yep, so like at a minimum, at least cleaning it up, you know, after your burning season's done. Definitely.
2: There's a lot of reasons to clean it after, too, is that you get that corrosive deposit out of there. Right, because once you
1: mix water, moisture with that creosote, it spikes the acidity of it. Yeah. And it can be very corrosive to things that aren't really, you know, set up for it, like the cheap metal caps that you can buy at <laughs> yeah. Lowe's or whatever that people tend to use because they are $25, $30 versus 100 and some dollars for a stainless steel cap, which is going to, you know... Lasts you way way longer than anything else that you you can buy so definitely so now like with with the wood stove compared to like i
0: have a gas one Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now how often do i need my chimney inspected
2: so with gas um and you're over you've got natural gas so what you usually see and i think yours if i'm remembering correctly you've got a sealed one so you've you know yours is like mine in my own home Mm -hmm. um we call those direct vent right Um, The byproducts from that, you've got heat, of course, when you burn a natural gas, you get condensation, uh, some water vapor, and um, you can also get some carbon, but it's not really creosote. You're getting this black residue that can show up on stuff. Mm -hmm. And then what a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't realize is that you also have the contaminants that are in the natural gas from distribution, but also the odor. Um, So humans can't smell natural gas, so we mix this sulfur smelling stuff into it. But that's a byproduct released during the combustion process, kind of as a white residue. So if you go home to yours and you shine a light on your glass, if you've been using it, you'll probably notice like a white film. Yep, that stuff will bake onto the glass and start to kind of etch into the surface over years. And uh, sometimes it gets so bad that you have to replace the glass mm-hmm. so it doesn't start looking like a shower glass.
0: How often? Should those be replaced? Like not just the glass, but the whole insert?
2: because The whole unit, when metal starts to rust through okay. or it can no longer function correctly. So those things, I mean, usually I have people that maybe use them every day. They're using them for heat, like in a good portion of their house. We'll see them at least, you know, one to three years. Right. Um, pilot assemblies, almost every fireplace on the market runs off of a pilot working well. Um if you haven't had somebody look at yours and it's over three years, it's probably best to at least get the pilot cleaned, clean up the glass, make sure burner and stuff's operating well because right. they're set up to work correctly, have a you know the heat distribution kind of even across it. But what'll happen over time is things plug up and then you get excess heat in some portions. Mm-hmm. I've seen those fireplaces. I mean, direct vents have been out since late 80s. I've seen late 80s still running. Yeah. Um, and then I've seen ones where people kind of swap out parts themselves, you know, mm-hmm. wife wants some cool crushed glass in there or somebody will grab some lava rock from outside in their garden and put it in their, their, you know, mm-hmm. landscaping, put it in there and it destroys it. Right. Um, all the excess moisture, different
1: things happening. Um, yeah. Cause those, those manufacturers, they test them and build them to be in a certain specification you go and you alter that it does add yeah. wear to, it. it changes the flame and it will start burning out things differently. Um, another thing that um, I did want to note is that uh, for the gas um, fireplaces and stuff, um, some people, they just don't use them anymore. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden they decide they want to use them or they're selling their home. And so they they go to flip it on and it's like, well, it's not working. Uh, I got a pilot, but it won't, it won't it won't go from there and it won't it won't uh, fire the burner or whatever. They're trying to figure it out. They can't figure it out. One of the biggest things I remember seeing—we always carried a can of air—is that <laughs> spiders like to go up it inside is. there, and they like to make little nests because they love that 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 uh, that uh, sulfur stuff that they put into that. They mm-hmm. they find it very enticing to feed off of, and uh, decide that they're going to make a uh, a home out of your fireplace, <laughs> yeah. pretty much essentially. So
2: it's common um, in grills too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think any of us use gas grills every day anymore, but. Nope. Um, There are people that do, and and you know, I usually talk to customers that have had the issue in their pilot assembly. You know, I've I've got some pretty cool photos of actually pushing a live spider out of one. Um, Pretty gross. I hate spiders, but uh, (laughs) you know, pushing this huge spider out of an air mixer hole in a pilot assembly, and we start talking to them like, oh, we had that problem in our gas grill. You know, one of our burners wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So they they do they seek that odor. I don't know exactly what it is about it that they like but yeah i'm not sure either but they like it they do
1: that was always a common thing i always found on on services and stuff like that
2: seem to especially be the ones that were really short venting so like on my house uh my fireplace is in the corner of our great room it comes up into a 90 degree elbow and then just runs out the side wall of the house that's a lot shorter distance for them to reach the source of where what they're smelling so that seems to be the biggest problem ones um
1: and it's really not anything that
0: It's not a muffled, that's why I yeah. changed. I don't know. I'm not
1: sure. Jake's <laughs> down the hallway this, now. This it like. Like. <laughs>
0: um,
2: but I mean, so, so with the gas fireplaces, um, those things are built to go into a wall, mm-hmm. literally be framed in with wood. And when they're testing these things, um, you know, they're testing with little thermocouples and things to make sure that we're not overheating the surrounding combustibles in that wall. There's a lot of of things that happen when you're building a house and a lot of different hands involved. So you've got you know, your gas guy running a gas line maybe, you've got the venting guy with the fireplace that's venting the fireplace and making sure that clearances are met. And then you've got finished guys coming in. Some of them maybe don't speak English, don't read the manuals. They drywall this stuff shut. Some of the scary stuff that I've seen is we went out to fire an, an appliance up for an inspector after everything was done the last photos that i had jake may have been there at this time the last photos that i had of the manual the remote control and all the paperwork for this thing were literally in their plastic bags sitting on top of the appliance mm-hmm. so that it was all in one area we we wrapped it with plastic finished workers came in I talked to the builder i said oh hey where'd you guys put the manual and the appliance you know the remote i don't know we're gonna need to order a new one of those oh okay
1: oh boy yeah so, <laughs> you know where that's at so i'm there you know with where the where inspector
2: and the inspector and i are looking at each other and he says no way i said i don't know maybe so we popped out a wall switch and we're looking in with a a little boroscope, and sure enough right on top <laughs> right on top of the fireplace man <laughs> oh boy um another one they cut in a tv above it uh-huh. mm. homeowner kept smelling stuff this is on a big linear fireplace so you know we're talking temperatures at the top of that box in excess of 550 600 degrees they're smelling something and uh i tell them you know it's got to burn off there's gonna be some odors on a new appliance they've run it for a couple hours still getting it so i go out Same kind of scenario. They had a TV put in above it. The guys cut through two layers of uh, sheetrock. Sheeting. It was was worse. It was was literally like OSB. Yeah. Sawed through with hole saws. Didn't, uh, you know, put a a nail in or something with a wire on it. Let it literally drop. All the sawdust, the two layers of the stuff drop on top of the fireplace ready to burn <laughs> and I'm <laughs> yes. telling this guy over the phone, you know, you got to bake off some odors. So yeah, you know, we are literally playing with fire in people's houses. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you've never had something looked at, we don't know if the mantle's too close. We, you know, there's some things that we can see. Mm-hmm. I can look at your mantle. I can look at your clearances. Have the flooring been changed. And Are we supposed to have tile in front and that carpet? Um, but there are things that we can't see unless we open it up. Right. Like, like I've with mine, we had this shitty ass rack
0: halfway up mm-hmm. so i tore all that off and now i'm putting shit up i've been working on it for two fucking years now <laughs> i could have it done easily when i wanted but yeah and i noticed like you know when once we took that out then I'm like shit, should i put some tile on the floor but it had carpet right up to it so i just kept yeah. the carpet because it don't really have any heat down the way our gas one is
2: yeah if you've got your louvers at the bottom typically that's going to be low temp zone mm-hmm. you know air infiltration there because heat's coming out the top of your yeah fence. yeah um we just got to remember to vacuum that out every year yes yeah. yeah and the more you do with that the less odor you have when you first fire it up
1: mm-hmm. um, yep <clears throat> kicking that top louver off and wiping that down too and getting that dust off the top yeah it helps, I, helps reduce that smell in the in the fall when you first light it
2: last week i was at four different houses and i usually if i'm going out on inspections i will see four houses a day mm-hmm. and uh, i saw four different houses that week because of odor when they were using it. Mm -hmm. Um, People sometimes say, it's combustion odor. They're smelling exhaust. Other people kind of pick up and it's like, I don't know what this odor is. And, uh, you know, you open up those top louvers and you've got a, you know, not a quarter inch, but you've got a lot of dust, a lot of pet Mm -hmm. hair and stuff up there. You're breathing that, you're Mm -hmm. smelling it. Mm -hmm. It's all coming back in. Mm -hmm. So if you're building,
0: say you got a fireplace and you're tired of wood, Mm -hmm. would you, suggest the insert or you know natural gas or like a fire log to make it look like the old fire was
2: depends on one the type of fireplace you have now Mm -hmm. so is it a hand-built masonry fireplace or is it something that was built at a factory dropped off and framed in let's just assume that we've got a masonry fireplace you know you're in a house that they, they hand built the fireplace my next question to you would be, do we care about efficiency? Do I just want something that looks pretty, looks like my old wood burning fire that I had? right? Or do I wanna heat the room, kinda of control the room's temperature with a thermostat? Cause then I'm gonna be steering into two different roads really that you could take. Um, one would just be a vented log set. You're gonna have the biggest, thickest, fullest flames. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like that old wood burning fireplace, it's taking air that you've paid to heat. Mm-hmm through the fireplace, up through the chimney to be sucking out the exhaust with it. Where if we go into a direct vent insert it would be more like uranized fireplaces mm-hmm. where we're just retrofitting that into an existing fireplace. Now we've stopped that air loss and we're bringing in combustion air through one pipe, putting exhaust out through another, and we've got something 70 plus percent efficiency.
0: Mm-hmm. What's,
2: what's, your, what's your thoughts on like the pellet stove? You in that? We don't really. Um, I, I we have a few that we sweep every year, mm-hmm. um, and I've got some manufacturers that that build some really nice pellet units. Because I know that was a big thing for a while, pellet <laughs> corn, everybody going to it. <laughs> it and- was corn, especially. Um, <clears throat> but uh, corn prices yeah. went up so high. Yeah. Now that uh, you know, now that your SUV's running on corn, <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't make as much sense to put it in your house. I, I never was as passionate on the uh, the pellet stuff sure it's convenient you can fill up a hopper you can clean out the little fire pot you know there's some there's some extra maintenance there mm-hmm. what i don't like about it though is that you're tied to the pellet cost you you've got
1: to go buy that and yep, you can't make your own pellet you're depend. you're still yeah. de- you're still dependent because if you're looking for some you know getting some independence on heating you know obviously you, you're going to go for that wood um With pellet, you're still tied to somebody's cost, somebody's manufacturing. If they quit manufacturing, you you run out of pellets, Mm -hmm. you know. Or if there's a huge, you know, surge uh, of demand for pellets, and you know the the pricing goes way up on it, or the availability, you know, drops way down on it, and you're still you're still subservient to somebody Mm -hmm. for your heating needs. So, I mean, I've I've always been one to like, you know, when talking to a customer, like, you know, these are the things you got to consider, not only. You know, your heating needs, but you also are directly, you know, needing to have power to power the, the blower systems and stuff and then the auger and all that stuff. Now, there is yeah. some manufacturers that make some uh, that that the Amish use <laughs> yeah. that don't require power. I wondered
2: if you remembered that. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. And I, and I thought that was one. the coolest. Yeah it was, yeah. it was. I
1: thought it was the coolest thing ever at one of the shows we went to. Yeah. And they had one on display there and it was like, you know, it's an ingenious idea, you know, because uh you know for people that don't want to mess with the wood that still you know has that availability to the pellet but um i know i always thought that pellet stoves you know you were there was just so much more work to them because you're not just cleaning it once a year sometimes you clean it multiple times a year especially if you oh yeah if you're not running the thing right it gets dirty you know things clog up and you're constantly fussing with stuff and i you know one of the ones I went on, I was just like, I didn't even want to touch a thing anymore. And I think after I told, <laughs> I, I told docs like, can we just like not do pellets toes because they're the worst thing ever to have to deal with uh, yeah. because they are so finicky and it's just something that we didn't get a whole lot of training on. And there's not really any resources for training on those things.
2: There's, yeah. I mean, the, the Chimney Safety Institute does does some um, National Fireplace Institute. Um, the The thing is though with the pellets is Just like wood stoves, there's, you know, you can go and, you know, tractor supply, you can go buy a cheap stove, you can do the same thing with a pellet burner. And the problem with doing that on a pellet burner, one, the engineering on it, you know, if you've ever worked on a car, you know, I don't know why you would put a starter inside the bell housing of a transmission, you know, there's different things like that for serviceability. But on a pellet stove, Jake mentioned the fans, you've got your fan that blows the exhaust out but then you've also got a fan that blows air in. You've got an igniter, you've got the auger motor. You, you have parts that are going to go bad that need to be worked on. And when you go and you buy a, a stove, you know, say a thousand, we're just these round numbers here, you, you buy a stove for a thousand bucks and somebody coming out to work on this thing, you know, are you gonna to wanna to invest $400 for a couple hours of labor and parts and things like that into this stove? Um, you know, and then when their warranty is only covering maybe the $30 igniter and you're still investing more money into it and you've got to completely disassemble a stove to get to it. Um, and I'm talking, when I'm talking 400, I'm talking, you know, you're disassembling it to find the problem, diagnose it, and then you're disassembling or reassembling to come back and replace the part. Um, as opposed to one that's really well built that you can just unclip parts, they're all modular, um, and that's where the money comes in. Um, Most people that are buying pellets around here that I've seen, that I've been out to, you know, they're buying like a cash and carry. They're going into a big box store. They're buying it. They're getting some really cheap venting components and they're shoving it out through the wall. And that's that's what they understand about it. And, you know, it was a cost savings thing. When stuff starts going Mm -hmm. wrong and they have a company in and we see that, okay, this isn't the correct type of venting. This isn't, you know the installation's bad. Um, and we're dealing with an appliance that's going to cost you, you know, 50% of the appliance cost to get back up and running. Mm-hmm. I just don't like to be that bad news guy. So, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of times they don't, um, they don't choose us to come out because that, that initial cost and the inspection and all of that, um, They'll just rip it out and redo the venting themselves.
1: Yeah, I was never afraid to tell somebody that they got a pile of junk. I know you try but, to you just yeah, try to I, say it a little nicer, but well, yeah. <laughs> But sometimes you got to be brutally honest with people because they felt that like they, you know, they want the tractor supply. They, you know, they they thought they did the research out right. of their, you know, selection at yeah. tractor yeah. supply. It's like you know, listen, you're buying from a box store, you're not getting yeah. anything of quality you really you know if you really wanted to you know put in something good you should have probably consulted with a professional that knew and understood what you were looking for and what your expectations are for you know a lot of people i don't think they well, especially somebody that is new to it and doesn't understand what they're getting themselves into they don't really know what expectations they have other than they want to be able they have some sort of heating independence that they control themselves and um Perceived
2: independence on perceived independence on 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 pellet. pellet. Yeah. Yeah, So because again you're you're tied to electric. You are tied to the manufacturing of those pellets. Yep. And then still just like wood burning those pellets have to be kept dry. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are in sealed up bags, but those bags get punctured. Um, just throw them in your garage. Just well, just yeah. Garage. Or,
1: yeah. Yeah. Or somebody just, you know, leaves them piled up and they throw of tarp on it, you yeah. know, and leaves them set outside. So there's a lot of things. That Ground moisture.
2: It. I mean, Michigan, you know. it's already hard enough to get wood really dry enough yeah. to be extremely responsive. So in so.
1: speaking of the dryness of wood, what's yeah. uh, what what's ideal, you know,
2: <laughs> you asking me or you asking EPA?
1: Well, <laughs> ideally what the industry standard <laughs> yeah. was, before the EPA decided to,
2: well, EPA st- so dryness of wood aside from you know the EPA government type of mandates and stuff,
1: you've got uh, you know,
2: the drier the wood is, the easier it is going to be to burn, mm-hmm. um, meaning starting it up, but also how much smoke is produced. So, your experience, let's say you buy a new wood stove, um. It's not like buying a gas stove that we hook up gas, we hook up power, you're going to have this fire and I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. It is, you put in some really wet wood, you're wasting your energy to boil water before that wood can burn. And during that time, you're running on really cold flu temperatures. So back to the whole boiling water and that steam coming up, that steam accumulates condensation droplets, water droplets on that microwave because it's a cold surface. Same thing's going on in a chimney. So now we've got this tar fog going up, turning into a liquid and just oozing down inside the chimney hmm. up until we finally get this wood dry enough that now we start to you know, burn a little bit at a higher rate. You do that throughout the whole year. Now you get a really good hot fire going in there. Our wood's drying out by the end of the year. It's been in our garage long enough now finally. And now we induce a chimney fire. And uh, the storage of wood, 10 to 15% is typically what we suggest. Now you go too low, the stuff's gonna burn a lot more rapidly. It's gonna be harder to control, mm-hmm. especially with cheaper wood stoves. Um, and that's not just to play a game on oh, you spent more money, yours is gonna be better. No, it's that the manufacturer was able to invest more time and technology into burning that, but still giving you control. Yeah. Um so before we get too further into this, yeah. <laughs> we gotta take a break. No problem. We'll rip right
0: back. I want to welcome Blissfield Insurance Agency to the All Things Random podcast as a local sponsor. If you or your business is willing to local sponsor, bring it. Blissfield Insurance Agency since 1974. BIA offers a wide selection of trusted insurance carriers because we work with reputable insurance companies. We are able to provide competitive prices and the best policies. At Blissfield Insurance, we look for options that make insurance affordable for our existing and potential clients. We will make sure you understand your insurance policy and receive all available discounts on insurances that you qualify for. Blissfield Insurance has been a trusted insurance agency in Michigan since 1974. Our team of professional agents specialize in personal, home and auto, and commercial insurance services. Our insurance agency has become a trusted partner in Lenaway and surrounding counties in Southeast Michigan. Please call if you have any questions at 517-486-4888. All right, we're back. Uh, we're still here. Yep, fucking Jake's microphone might be fixed. I yeah. think so. I don't know. We'll find out here. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna do Smokehouse minutes. Uh, I know Kevon has a big green egg. Yes, I've had people ask me about them. I think they're overpriced. They are way overpriced. There's
2: a big following. <laughs> Think of it kind of. I don't. I don't know if
0: there's a big following. You can't. You know, just because you got two Facebook pages of. Yeah. Okay. You're you're there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Kamado thing's been around since. I mean, three thousand years ago, they've been cooking this way, and uh, you know, they've they had this company, Big Green Egg or whatever it is, and uh, they started, you know, really marketing the heck out of it. I've told people that if you can cook it in an oven, a smoker, or on a grill, you can cook it in the egg. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do pizza, brownies, uh, steaks, turkeys, whatever in it. Um, it's not your end-all be-all, though. Like, it, it, it's not something that, I mean, yes, I could just have that, and I do right now. I, I've got a gas grill that I don't use, but uh, there's a learning curve to it because you are burning essentially wood in it mm-hmm. um there's things it does better than like a pellet like i've got a, a good friend down the road would you just say <laughs> uh, just <laughs> there's fight. things that it does better <laughs> yeah. than a pellet
1: grill i'm with you i'm with you keep i don't is, have a pellet at this time there
2: is now there are things though that there's a lot of things like turkey for instance that i would way rather cook on a pellet grill or some really long 16 hour 20 hour mm-hmm. smoke maybe more convenient on a pellet grill you turn a dial And uh you can go back in the house and keep reading your your book. But yeah, um with the green egg, you can cook direct heat, uh, much higher, uh, you know, sear temperature. I'm gonna cook a tomahawk or something like that. Of course I'm gonna cook that on the the green egg over um like a pellet grill just because of the sear temperatures, Mm -hmm. right? I can get a lot higher. I don't know if you can get a pellet up to eight, nine hundred degrees no not even close no <laughs> well,
0: i've seen them <laughs> but <laughs> got flames up yeah <laughs> but they don't
2: they don't work too well after right <laughs> but um but i think something that a pellet would do better is is able it, without babysitting it mm-hmm. being able to hold a low temp i don't how low can you go on a trailer? 180 180. so for me i can get my my dome temp the top of that egg basically where the the exhaust gases are coming up i can keep that below 180 150 but I'm giving it such little oxygen at that point that my volume of smoke goes down Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Not to say that the flavor's not there, but the volume of smoke. Um, Also, when I'm cooking indirect like that, you've got what they call a plate setter. Think like inch thick ceramics, probably less than an inch, three quarter. Between the actual charcoal it's burning, the lump charcoal it's burning and your food. But that ceramic plate, if you way overheat that thing, it becomes a radiant heat source. So mm-hmm. now you're overheating your meat. So right. you've you've really got to kind of watch that. There's a definite learning curve. Um
0: now that is there a way in to like if I need to put more wood in?
2: No, and you don't have to.
0: Okay. <laughs> that's that's one
2: of the big newbie questions yeah. with them. Yeah. Everybody's like, Well, how do you load more wood? Right. I'm like, Well, are you gonna smoke more than 20, 24 hours? Could be I mean, yeah, you might. Um
1: rarely, I've, I've rarely never not going that long.
2: because I, I mean what I was always taught too is the meat you're going to get so much smoke into there. And at some point, you know, you might be adding to bark or something, but, um, the, the ceramic nature of that thing, how thick that ceramic is. Once you get that to temperature, Mm -hmm. it takes very little energy to keep it at that temperature. So I had a Turkey for Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. That was like 16 hours. I finished that Turkey the next day. I think we cooked some steaks Didn't reload charcoal, (laughs) stirred it up, got the ash out of it, cooked the steaks. Probably did salmon the next day or two. My wife likes a lot of salmon, so we cook salmon a lot on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Realistically, though, like the large green egg, I would say will hold at least 24 hours worth of charcoal. Do you have the big one? I have the large. Um, They've got an extra large. They've got a 2XL. I don't know if the 2xl is the weird oblong one mm-hmm. but the large would be like the most universal so you can go buy stuff that would fit in a komodo joe mm-hmm. and fit it in there
0: because i i uh was going to start a, a grill sales yeah i have i remember you saying yeah, that i got everything lined up but m- money
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: and, and uh one of the deals i was looking at was like primo because they get basically
2: mm-hmm. got the same styles the egg is the big green eggs yeah. just
0: the lesser name
2: yeah Primo Komodo Joe, um, if I honestly, though, if I were to get into an egg style mm-hmm. right now, I honestly probably would not buy the green egg. You mentioned the mm-hmm. overpriced, but I would go to the barbecueguru.com or something. They've mm-hmm. got some on there. That which come with your tables, the side tables, all these yeah. things that you would be buying. So you're going to spend the same that you would go buy that egg for. With more options. With way more options. You've yeah. got your electronics. So I talked about the convenience of your pellet. Well, mm-hmm. they've got fans that will mount down there that you can set your grill temp. Right. Essentially, it's, you know, <laughs> it's cheating, but, you yeah. know, so who cares?
0: Because I've seen there's the the hardware store in Adrian, the Great Lakes Ace. They, they sell them.
2: Yeah. They've got an actually pretty nice green egg section.
0: Yeah. I don't know. And I know there's people, they have the costco one mm-hmm. and they love it
2: yeah and
0: it's big, just essentially the same thing just big ceramic
2: egg yeah just make sure you're real thick ceramic i, I will say the nice thing is if i break any part of that thing that's ceramic mm-hmm. they just replace it no questions right. like i didn't even buy mine at ace or Aiko, whoever mm-hmm. that is over there and uh my plate setter i uh, took it out one time i was doing ribs set it in the snow then cracked that was my uh, that was stupid, right. It's stupid, extremely hot in the snow, yeah, pile. It's totally stupid. But I it was also grabbing something totally hot with gloves that weren't really rated made. for. Oh, it. yeah, so I had to set her down and it, yeah. it snapped. Um, dropped another one. you think one.
0: you'd know fire
2: and heat safety, yep, yeah, you Dang. would think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like clay tile thermal shock, but hey, yeah, um, yep, my um you know hey if i did it but uh no questions asked they're replacing the thing i don't i can't speak for the other companies warranties right. on it um i know komodo joe though does have little doors where you could reload some charcoal mm-hmm. uh lump charcoal it's like that who
0: reloads i don't when i do my weber i don't fucking reload anything no you no tell you're them. not I mean, you're
2: putting in enough for what you got to do mm-hmm. um it is beneficial not putting in too much um the smaller amount, it seems that you put into one of these things, the easier it is to get really high, fast temp. Right. I think it's the airflow. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm doing steaks or something, I'm not going to fill that up as much, even though I want to get, you know, 700 degrees. I'm not going to fill that up as much as I would for, say, a turkey. Right.
0: What's but, your uh, what's your lump charcoal choice?
2: For the last couple of years, it was always green egg because it was the most… Consistent? It was. It was always consistent. I've tried some off-brand stuff from like Lowe's and Meyer. Like
1: the cowboy stuff or the yellow.
2: <laughs> but when I, okay, so when I burn that stuff, and this is coming from a chimney guy. Mm-hmm. When I burned that stuff, I noticed white residue. Yep, It's contaminants. It's mm-hmm. something else that's been added into that, whether it's a drying agent or whatever. Right, And I was noticing that. And then I could even almost pick up on like an ammonia type taste um, from some of it. It's just gross, I'm not, I don't want that. Um, not that I'm some crazy health fanatic, but mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't like that flavor. Right. Um, I did just bite the bullet and buy some FOGO, okay. FOGO online, did not go for their top tier. Um, I just went for their regular premium stuff. I like think they've got like ultra premium or hand select, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I noticed about it was it was easier, I think, to start than green egg, but it was light. If I took the same size chunk, it was lighter. Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't have a long term on that. I've, I've only probably used, um, I think, the turkey was the first time I did it. Um, still quite a bit left over after. Right. Wasn't the longest smoke because it was a small bird this year. But um, everybody swears by that Fogo. It's just a little more money. Free shipping. I it's like 35 bucks for a 30 pound bag. Right. Which right. is not too bad.
0: So I've used Royal Oak like in my, Weber, but mm-hmm. I like that way better than Kingsford yeah. charcoal bullshit.
2: Yeah, I don't like the compressed briquettes. No. Um, <clears throat> just way more waste with them. Start to plug up the air holes. In like, my
1: in my side burner um smoker, I I'll I'll use Kingsford to get my fire established mm-hmm. first and get that well yeah. that coal bed. Yeah, and then after that, it's all just chunk wood. Yeah, yeah. So I, and I'm not even using like the the lump coal or anything like that at that point. It's just I'm just throwing chunks of actual wood in there and using it that way. What's your uh, What's your go-to meal to cook on that thing?
2: The thing I've cooked the most on it, honestly, is salmon. Mm-hmm. And I could do that just as easily probably on a stovetop right. um, and love salmon. So um, I do that on a half moon shaped. So that, that egg might be 24 inches maybe in diameter where I set this. So it's like a half moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that cast iron skillet super hot. And uh, so you know you're cooking it on cast iron. I could right. could potentially do it in the house. It's getting very little flavor added from the smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably one of my favorite meals on it, just because I've done it so much. But the pizza, yeah. I, I think, I think the pizza is probably up there. I haven't done as many pizzas as I have salmon. So we we bought a,
0: one of them Unis a couple years ago, the wood pallet one.
2: Oh, I'm taking pizza. Yeah, the yeah, pizza, I mean. Uni pizza. Yeah,
0: U N N Y U U N N Y. It's just a little pizza oven, A little pizza oven that you throw the pellets in and it keeps it fired up. Oh, nice. You just throw it in there. But...
2: What do you think about that?
0: You got to have the right dough.
2: Yeah. And
0: I don't know. Because of the high town? Yeah. I got with Stefano and he gave me some dough to try. And then he's like, oh, let me know if you want to. We'll play around with it. Well, I'll make some different mixtures and stuff. Because, you know, we were just getting it down at SoFo's, just the, the made up party shit which was that, all right
2: i get that from lena's there too yeah. I, you know i, I didn't have him give me anything special but that's that's kind of my go-to i've done dijon also yeah. too you know um but yeah lena's stuff we'll get uh we'll have him give us one hunk we'll cut it in half and make yeah. two pizzas out of it or Yeah, because i
0: can't uh with that thing I, I i can't get a crispy enough crust
2: without overcooking
0: yeah okay. with you know burning the top of it because it's uh. you know it's like a
2: Oh, the flames coming over the, the top, top side like of a, it, yeah, like, like a an
1: actual wood wood fired. Okay. Yeah,
2: my problem usually is if we go too thick, I'll get way too crisp <clears throat> mm-hmm. before it comes through, and that's where that that indirect heater I talked about overheating that mm-hmm. that becomes too much of a heat source. Yeah, um, so I've got to really kind of watch it. And what I've found, I mean, a lot of people say you know seven hundred degrees or whatever you're going to go for pizza. I honestly, like on DiGiorno, I'll do the same temp. That and they see the on the boxes yeah. and it turns out perfect and i am cooking it on a piece of ceramic as well mm-hmm. i have a little pizza stone but um thinner the better is what i found i mean if you go thick you just have to go lower temp yeah and i, I would imagine that's kind of common sense
1: but so one more question on the smokehouse minutes uh what is your favorite signature party dish that you like to make and take oh, the you know what i'm gonna say to that one. Oh, i know <laughs> it's, yeah, it's delicious the
2: pig candy is my favorite and you could you could literally do a google search on pig candy bge for big green egg and they'll give you the recipe but um thick cut bacon rolled in brown sugar and red pepper flakes <laughs> And uh, you kind of let it sit because it'll all like gel up on mm-hmm. it, you know, and then you lay that out and I'll smoke a little bit lower temp than what they claimed on the, the uh, instructions. But uh, basically smoke that thing until that bacon, the meat in the bacon, not the fat in the bacon, but starts to turn color like where it would be done. Mm-hmm. My biggest mistake on that stuff is going until it starts to feel crispy on the grill. Right. Way too long. Yeah. Um, but as it starts to then darken up like that, baste it with uh, real maple syrup. And you take that off, let it cool down, and it just snaps off in your mouth. It is great.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and everybody seems to love it. I mean, that stuff doesn't make it to the meal usually. So you're way past the queso fad. The queso fad's so good, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny you said queso fad. Did you guys have it on your grills, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that went around on your trigger stuff? Yeah. All you city boys on there. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing happened on Big Green Egg, though. It's like everybody was posting these queso
1: it's a doing a smoke case i've never done oh
2: gosh yeah it it is super good i mean the photos of them too it kind of sells it because you see all these nice cut up veggies yeah and you're like (laughs) everything's cute that ain't real yeah you like throw it all together and you're like (laughs) it it is super good (laughs) no that's true that that was super good i've done it twice um it takes on a lot of smoke flavor which is awesome for Mm me my second batch was a little bit too smoky for ann but uh yeah here's what she
0: thinks uh, you know i
2: have to
1: (laughs) happy (laughs) wife happy life yeah (laughs) yeah. she'll she'll definitely let you know and and don't let you forget it either (laughs) this is true Um, so uh let's get back to your company here um one question uh that uh that i have on here is uh what can uh what can a person expect uh for an appointment experiment experience um obviously they call they get Mm -hmm. they get your your receptionist uh spiel on selling the appointment to them they agree to the appointment uh they get their time and date set you show up what are they going to see
2: uh we call you a few days prior to confirm and remind you about the appointment but when we show up we're going to show up at the time uh that we tell you if we're going to be more than five minutes discrepancy typically if i'm going to be a minute late i'll call you 15 minutes before we're late that's Mm -hmm. just kind of company policy i think it's human respect too so it's not like the cable company (laughs) between noon and eight no you'll book the appointment though so say you call right now Mm -hmm. we're gonna book you Mm -hmm. in march right quite literally it sucks that it is that far out but you're gonna be booked into march probably right now um and we're gonna give you a time you know because we geographically do route um Mm -hmm. our service area spans up into lansing over to clarkston down into finley ohio and out to Coldwater. so it's huge area um but you'd expect a you know a call with an exact time of arrival um, at least four days prior to your appointment. Once uh, we come out, we're, we're basically asking you about concerns that you've had during use because there's nobody better to tell me how this thing's working than somebody's been using it. And then we're going through a full um, inspection of everything that we can see um, from hearth size, clearances around it, you know, basements, if the chimney passes through an attic, we're checking clearances in the attic, roof side, and, uh, Then we run a camera basically through the venting to make sure there's no holes or something we can't see. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been doing this, like I said, since I was really super young and uh, even five foot down in a chimney looking down, Jake can attest to this. There's stuff that you're gonna miss because of the angle that you're looking at. Um, And then during that appointment, we're taking photos, um, documenting basically your system and we keep those things on file, but we also supply those to you at the end of the appointment so that you've got, you know, kind of a, I guess, all of our concerns as well as what the condition of everything is and mm-hmm. then in years to come as we're coming out we can kind of compare those photos and tell you you know this is starting to really wear we should do something about it um or water entries causing this kind of damage a lot of the damage we see is due to water entry so even if you've got a chimney that you say you know well we never use it we don't need you out all right well it's still a sponge you know masonry soaks up water it's still a sponge that's sticking up through the hole in your roof and your you know framing and stuff is still touching it so Mm -hmm. usually a good idea to get the you know a masonry structure like that looked at at least once in a while
1: on a masonry structure what um what are some of the things that could happen to to allow water in
2: uh the most obvious that somebody could see from their driveway or the ground usually is missing a chimney cap you know do, do birds and squirrels and raccoons have access to it is rain able to come straight down into it, down to the foundation? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we don't see the water, so we just kind of ignore it. But what it's doing is it's it's coming down to the base of that chimney, and it's eroding soil mm-hmm. underneath the foundation, and then stuff starts to settle. Um, another thing you really can't tell a whole lot from the ground unless you're pretty well trained in it or know what you're looking for is the, you know, what's protecting the brick itself from soaking up water on the top? Um Kind of like the top of a counter you know with an overhang is there mm-hmm. something that's shedding water off of that chimney directing it away from the brick or is it working its way down softening mortar over the years okay um those two things are the number one defense from water um, flashing gets blamed a lot because we see water showing up on a ceiling or something i'll say though if i get 10 calls where they say hey i think our flashing's bad maybe one of those is actually a flashing problem right?
0: we uh we looked at a house one time we were walking through it and it was in a it was raining that day and water just rolling <laughs> in the chimney like, yeah they had a big old stone chimney and new roof on the house like oh the realtor's like oh maybe i had a call <laughs> maybe maybe
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know water's destructive and it it it's something that you can't really avoid you can build a tent over it or something mm-hmm. but it's, you know it's all temporary um, and so having a,
1: having a proper crown up there is pretty important. Crown,
2: crown, and chimney cap are your number one things. Yeah. Period. It, it, whether you're using the chimney or not, those two things really need to be up there
1: to um, protect things and stop any yeah. kind of destruction over time.
2: And I'm one that if if that chimney's not being used and you know it's several years old, what's it doing up there at that yeah. point? You know, it, you know, if you're going to put money into repairing the masonry, as that masonry ages, it's going to soak up more water. Yep. Sure, we can, you know, we can put money into it, make sure it soaks up less. But do you still need it? I mean, we we see a lot of people, they've replaced their furnaces, they're pumping them out through the sidewall of a house now, and the chimney isn't needed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can tell you that too. You know, maybe taking it down past the roof and roofing over, it's a good thing. Uh, Maybe, you know, restoring the masonry to keep the look on that older house. Right. Um, So, if you don't have a fireplace, you don't have, you know, a wood stove or something, you may still have a furnace chimney. And those things can plug, animals can come in, things mm-hmm. can deteriorate, fall apart inside and plug flues. So still a good idea to get those things looked at.
1: Yeah. What does a, um say like an 80% furnace do to the inside of a clay tile?
2: <laughs> 80% or higher, um, you start to get a lot more condensing flue gases. So they get that 80% rating because they're reclaiming that potential heat or that heat that's coming out of the exhaust and we're getting it back into the house so we as you know consumers we see that as a huge positive right mm-hmm. we're getting more of the money that we're spending to make that fire we're getting it back into our house but what we're doing is we're reducing the temperature of the exhaust which from earlier in this conversation is carbon dioxide water vapor and heat mm-hmm. we're reducing the temperature of that and then throwing it in maybe we've got this four inch diameter pipe that we're pumping it in with a fan. We're dropping it into a chimney that was built for a big old inefficient furnace. Right. So now that four inch pipe, you know, we have a certain velocity going through into the chimney. Now it drops into this cold masonry chimney on the outside of our house. That water vapor starts to condense and soak into the mason and it freezes, thaws, starts breaking apart the inside of the chimney. So if you've had an 80% furnace installed or higher most of them these days all of them are going to be higher and they didn't resize the inside of your chimney it's likely you're going to have some issues in there how's uh how's COVID affected you guys this year oh you're going to get into that so well oh, because there are people out there that yeah so <laughs> it's that's a it's a good question and I, I kind of figured something like that was coming so early on when we were all scared of you know this situation um we all listened to the executive orders we Mm kind of and and i i remember i'll say it was march i think what was it march 28th when she enacted the
1: The first shutdown the first
2: shutdown when the the first the only legal shutdown that she had she shut down in march 28th and at that point i was worried right i mean we were all kind of worried oh my gosh people were you know being welded into buildings in china right Mm -hmm, i mean mm -hmm. we were all scared we didn't know what the heck was going on So, I remember coming home from work, my wife making me strip at the garage door. You know, she's wiping me down with stuff, and we didn't want to pass it on to our kids. My favorite time of the day, literally, favorite time of the day is always coming home from work. My daughter's running across the floor from the living room all the way through the kitchen and just smashing into me and hugging me. Yeah. I didn't get that during those times. And it was, it was, uh, that's a, I don't know, an emotional, It's a mental mind It it really was, man. There's no other, there's not a nicer (laughs) way to say that. It was, it took something from me um, as a father. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't look forward to going to work because I was worried I was going to bring it home to the family. So early on, I would say that it affected me that way. Mm -hmm. We did then also on uh, March 28th, shut down. We abided by that lockdown. And, uh, you know, during that time, Everybody's kind of watching the news. I had a lot more free time on my hands. And then the expiration of that, I think it was April 28th, Mm -hmm. we opened back up. And uh, we hit the ground running, uh, you know, full cruise, back out, taking precautions. Um, I'm not a huge, I mean, I don't. You're not going to see me in a store or something with a mask on. But I'm going to people's safe places. So Mm -hmm. one of my famous things, I guess, to say to somebody that's scared of this is, well, if you're worried about it, stay home, right? Mm-hmm. I yep. mean, you, yep. you think you're going to die or you're going to kill your grandparents by going out in public. Don't. Right. Well, these people are still calling us because they need us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually seen a lot more people needing us. We've been busier all year than we've been. Right. Really. But we're going into somebody's safe place. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're still having us out during this, whatever this is. Yeah. So I do respect that. And uh, we do require masks. To be warned, I, I don't believe they're doing anything, mm-hmm. but it does give people the aesthetic The, the cost, Yeah,
1: the customer, the peace of mind they need.
2: <laughs> and I I see two different types of people, it seems like. Yeah. um, And oddly enough, the doctors, the surgeons, like I, I do, uh, we're one of the higher price companies to have out. I'll mm-hmm. just lay that on the table. So we see a lot of engineers. I see a lot of doctors, surgeons, um, gated communities. I see all of that. Mm-hmm. Um. I had a surgeon come home. It was July. I think this year I was up on his roof. He was running a little bit late. He called me and told me I get, get down off the roof and he's getting home in his scrubs, pats me on my shoulder and water literally splashes on my shoulder <laughs> because I'm so sweaty. Yeah. You know, it was 90 degrees. And I've been up on his <laughs> roof, stands right there, grabs my iPad from me, you know, yeah. wipes his hand on his scrubs. Cause it's all sweaty <laughs> and stands right there. No mask, no fear, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I see that a lot with doctors where there's just not, it's not the same fear. Right. And then you go to the next one and it's some 30-year-old dude with CNN playing in his house and he's like, checks on the coffee table. We're going to stay in this other room with a sheet hanging in between us and, you know, <laughs> totally terrified, can't live his life. Right. And uh, that's kind of the the two drastic ends of it. But mm-hmm. it does seem to be what news station they're watching and kind of what they're And how they're they're dealing with it right um we get some i've had you know 80 year old ladies tell me to take the silly thing off my face Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you get some 30 some year old new homeowner that's just terrified to leave his closet yeah
1: i just i just got back from minneapolis uh had to go out for a wedding for my sister-in-law and out there you know obviously minneapolis is you know well Call yeah. it what it is, is liberal city. <laughs> yeah. um, I, mean, right? all, I should say, le- leftist city. <laughs> yeah, left the city, I should say, more than liberal, because they it kind of stole that word. But um, <laughs> out there, um, publicly, people play the role. Um, yes, privately, a lot still play that role. Um, but as far as like the friends and stuff that, you know, I was around of, of, of my sister in laws and now new brother in law. Um, they, you know, they got a good grasp of what's going on. You know, they, they don't really talk about it much, but you can tell by their behavior and their demeanor that they're done with it. They know it's bullshit, but they're just going along because they do have to live there and, and they don't want to, you know, cause wakes or whatever. Um, but I think, I think overall the media and, 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 uh, the government's losing their narrative and I I don't think it's going to last too much longer Mm -hmm. as long as, you know, as long as people continue to wake up to it, but uh, I think uh, a lot of people have a naive, uh, naive uh, perception of what these vaccines are going to do, and and aren't really doing any kind of research, and, and they think, okay, so once the vaccine's out, you know, all this is going to end, and it's just going to open up a whole new can of worms. And uh, I, you know, you live life once; don't live it in fear. Live it the way you want to live it. Yeah. You know, if, if you do want to live in fear and have that sheet up and be in that confined room while you do have somebody else in there, I guess that's you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. And
2: it's, it's their safe place. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it goes back to, you know, I still want a job. I, I still want Absolutely. my company to run, and I'm going to respect their fear of it.
1: Yeah. Um, that's yeah. fine.
2: I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to go through the motions, which, you know, we I think all of us in this room believe it's political theater. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us know <laughs> if it is or not, right? I mean, I'm it's, not a, I'm not a scientist. I'm not okay. that. I, I just know that everybody told me I was going to die and I'm however many months into this thing. And I Still haven't, waiting. Killed, I haven't killed Still my wait. grandpa. I haven't spread <laughs> it to anybody and I don't have it. And you know, I, I just know that, uh, I'm going to give up as little as humanly possible. Yeah. And, um, but I do respect people's homes when I go in there. Absolutely. Right? And if I, you're going to have yeah. me out to your house and you don't tell me to take the mask off. I'm gonna be that fool wearing it yep. and
0: uh yeah
2: it is what it is i guess um
0: well, i don't want to get too political
2: no i i and i'm not allowed to so <laughs> i well,
0: was given your phone ain't ringing no, yeah I
2: was yeah. Given, yeah well good thing we're not live streaming i was gonna say we're not live streaming so she's yeah. going to shut me up so I, I do have to be careful because at some point i'll get that you know big purse across the side of the face yeah if i'm lucky yeah. um no but i mean back to the how's this thing affected us mm-hmm people have been home more yeah you mentioned walking in and seeing the water when you were seeing a house mm-hmm. people are seeing the water dripping right. in their fireplace yeah, right so, shit now yeah so they're calling or they're re they're fixing up what they have they mm-hmm. you know they got these stimulus checks which we all know <laughs> you know it's just your <laughs> tax money coming to you but hey yep. um they're using it to fix things up you know and and um so i'm seeing proposals that maybe i sent to you three years ago mm-hmm. You're like hey we're ready to do something now yeah and uh our cold snap in September, a lot more people have been home, so they fired up their fireplaces, saw they had problems. Mm-hmm. So we have been on a backlog since we shut down in March right. we were just tailing off a winter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All the way through summer, we've been on a month to two-month backlog, and now we're on like a 12-week-plus backlog. Um,
0: that's a good thing. It's, it's a good it thing is, as a business owner. It, but you'd want to get out there sooner. That's the thing, too.
2: That's the thing is everybody's like, oh, don't complain about too much work. But here's the problem with too much work is, you want a new fireplace Yep. you've waited for six weeks eight weeks get me out there yep. you've got the cash you're ready to go and now mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you I'll do it in March and right it, it's just that part because I I do care about people's emotions and how they view the company and yep. how I can serve them better right it's difficult to serve someone and with their time expectation yeah through all this with this time of year yeah um so with supply chain, well, I gotta take another break. All right. Ah, jeez. So, will take another breaker. He's gotta <laughs> pee again.
0: Still here. Don't tune us out. All right.
1: So I have one, uh, one last question that I think that we haven't really touched on a whole lot of yet. Um, what is the biggest challenges facing your industry today as far as um the actual stoves themselves uh any kind of government um regulations and things like that that's come up throughout the years uh things that's it's kind of made the industry a little bit tougher to navigate funny you say government challenges or government regulations
2: mm-hmm. um this year um <clears throat> one of the biggest uh, the biggest um regulation changes occurred may 15th of this year and uh it may seem funny at first glance to some people like what what are we regulating with wood burning um it's the particulate emission so it's the stuff that you know gets released during wood burning and goes out of the chimney and we just don't really think about it but there are things in that that cause cancer Um, there are things in that that can cause lung problems and things and uh and also make neighbors upset. Mm -hmm. Um, So back in 88, um, they stepped in and said that uh, no more than seven and a half grams per hour for wood stoves. So there's not really, I mean, the layman, it's it's basically seven and a half grams of this bad stuff coming out of the chimney every hour. Well, now in 2015, they dropped it from seven and a half to four and a half grams per hour, so that's a big drop. How do you regulate that? How do you regulate it? Meaning what? How, what's coming out of your chimney? You don't. Um, it's how the stove is built. Okay. So, way back, Grizzlies uh, mm-hmm. to take as an example that were built here in Blissfield back before '88, <clears throat> those things were basically big steel boxes some of them had a baffle a baffle is just something like a steel plate in there to keep smoke from just going straight up and out the hole (laughs) okay um so then they started putting baffles in them so it would slow that down because that smoke has energy in it there's there's potential energy in there for burning and creating heat but we're just throwing it up a chimney so when we sweep a chimney i you know you kind of joke a little bit but i'm removing wood I'm removing stuff that should have been used to heat your house from your chimney.
1: Unspent fuel.
2: Unspent fuel. And, uh, the more of that was produced way back in the day. Now you might've been able to put a whole wheelbarrow load of wood in one of those big old stoves and Mm -hmm. man, we got all this heat out of it, but it's burning pretty rapidly. Also back then they gave you these little screw knob, um, air controls where when you turned it off, you could literally choke out the fire and shut the stove down. But what you were doing was you were smoldering wood at a really low temperature, producing a lot of particulate emissions. And um, it was really, really bad. So in 88, they realized that and they said, okay, seven and a half grams per hour. So they started actually literally testing these stoves, uh, just like they do cars.
1: Mm-hmm. What's the, um, who are the testing? Um... EPA. Okay. so through what standards are the EPA creating that from and what's the governing body of that?
2: So they, they formed in 2015, they formed this uh, new source performance standard, uh, the NSPS. And in 2015 they announced that it was going to be a two stage, uh, basically two stage requirement. So in 2015 they warned us what was coming in 2020. Some of the industry took that seriously really started to re-engineer and start their process of re-engineering stoves way back. And other ones kind of sat on their hands thinking that that might get overturned um, with new administration. What we learned in 2015 when they told us about this and that we went back to four and a half grams per hour was that May 15th of 2020, they were dropping it to two and a half for cord wood, like wood that you would split or if you were gonna burn test wood, which they call crib wood, which is like two by fours basically screwed together so that they could have this exact fuel load for multiple stoves. Right. That was two grams per hour. So we went from seven and a half uh-huh. to four and a half to two. Huge, huge difference. And what manufacturers started doing was the cheap ones would just said, okay, how do we make this stove meet those as cheaply as possible? one way to do it was you burn a stove wide open Mm -hmm. as clean and you know as hot as possible so we're burning as much of that fuel as we can but what that did was now that stove that you used to be able to put in a wheelbarrow load of wood and really tighten up the air control and barely burn it all day now we went from an eight hour burn time on one of these newer stoves maybe two right maybe not even that high and then other manufacturers went back to the drawing board and re-engineered these stoves To reburn the smoke, you know, keep the smoke in a lot longer, add extra oxygen, ignite the smoke. And, you know, that's been going on for years. Secondary combustion has been going on a long time. But uh, this year we've seen um, one manufacturer of mine that used to have wood-burning inserts, the ones that slid into fireplaces, they have none. Um, Literally lost all of their USA EPA 2020 compliant appliances. They don't have any that meet it. Um, they went from maybe 10 wood stoves down to five and then no inserts. So that's been one big struggle. Um, one of our biggest selling brands was Yodel and, uh, they have no inserts and, um, problems for the stoves. You know, people are kind of, they're not as excited about the fact that, you know, we're not getting eight hour burns anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm seeing, I follow a lot of forums on, you know, on my industry and, common complaints are these older stoves that they started to re-engineer or try to re-engineer aren't working like previous year's models um seems to be the ones that are built specifically for 2020 compliance are
1: still really well built stoves but Um, their burn times just aren't there burn
2: times aren't quite what they used to
1: be so what um okay so the you talked about uh secondary air combustion there for a split second um so um basically what that is is they put some extra air tubes in the top to introduce extra oxygen and to 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 combined with the 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 smoke creosote mm-hmm. to um create that secondary air combustion yeah so with the new regulations because I, I i when i was in the industry that i thought that that's what that was done for was mm-hmm. to get that that full fuel potential out of there to, to burn that and lower the particulate level yep. um so what are they adding to the stoves now to drop it even further
2: uh more restrictive baffles um so there's there's two different types so when you buy a stove that's going to be epa 2020 compliant there's kind of two routes to go and we'll, we'll we'll leave aside the inexpensive versus the more you know, the, the, the more well-engineered ones. We'll mm-hmm. just kind of keep those away, but we're gonna say two avenues. One is what you're talking about with secondary combustion with air tubes. So what we're doing is we're adding oxygen into potential fuel source and we've already got the heat so we can literally ignite that smoke. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do as a kid, with fire anyway, was watch that secondary combustion taking place. It looked like an upside down waterfall at the top of the stove, so cool. But the other way to do it, and Grizzly started it back in the late 80s, early 90s, when this first seven and a half grams per hour came in, is they shoved a catalytic combustor. Think catalyst in your car. Mm-hmm. They literally put this device up there, but it's a device that could fail with direct flame. Right. <laughs> and it's a device that does need to be replaced, you know, periodically. Right. But, you know what Grizzly ended up doing though to keep their stoves on the market was they just shoved that that catalyst essentially right above the fire. Mm-hmm. And this was before the industry really knew why that was a huge problem. <laughs> and uh, that catalyst was subject to, to direct flame. Yep. And those things just didn't last. And you were, you were replacing those things at a few hundred dollars a pop. Sometimes every season, every yep. two, three, four years. Some people just started not ever replacing them. And I think we're, you know, Even with the catalyst, the catalyst in them, more can be done for the clean air with your wood source and how dry you can keep it, how responsible you can burn that because I could take a brand new stove that meets 2020 by, you know, leaps and bounds. And I could make that thing burn dirtier
1: with some wet wood, with wet
2: wood, than an old stove with good wood, um, sure, we're not getting as much of the heat into the house because some of that is we are reburning smoke. We are getting more heat out of our wood. Wood is just potential energy. And when we're releasing, the, oops, sorry about that. <laughs> when we're releasing our uh, those flue gases, you know, we wanna get as much of that into the house as we can. So there is a benefit, I suppose, to the industry on this efficiency increase, but I think we're kind of going about it the wrong way. I think a lot of it is could be education um, mm-hmm. The American Lung Association a couple of years back tried to do that with, you know, this big, you know, storing wood responsibly and how you can do it. Um, right. f- the catalyst, though, the catalyst stoves, even back in 88, in those things had to be burning at 4.1 grams per hour where regular stoves could be seven and a half.
1: Right.
2: So it is a way to make them cleaner, but it is something that it, you as the consumer and the one operating the stove are going to have a higher ownership cost long term. with a device like that so right now in the industry though we're kind of seeing it split two ways ones that are doing catalytic combustion versus the ones that are re-engineering for the secondary combustion like what you were talking about
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um the ones that are doing the catalyst well blaze king um you know they've they've been a catalyst operated stove for a long time really good Unless you're putting bad wood into it, right, them. right, and then you've got nothing but headaches and crazy sooted up chimneys because it is when you're when you're operating that thing through the catalyst, it's this little honeycomb kind of thing that's really restricting airflow. So again, we're slowing down, we're holding the smoke in the chimney longer and allowing it more residence time to cool off and condense into creosote.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, How much do you think? Um... I guess I look at the EPA and as they go into regulate different um, industries and stuff that at times they don't they don't understand the industry and what's involved and nor do they care. They just want to meet a number that somebody put out there and they kind of, you know, they don't necessarily um, approach the industry and say, hey, guys, how can we how can we get to a good common goal of reduction of pollution out of this? And what would be a reasonable thing before your stoves aren't going to perform to the level that we you know what we think should happen i mean do, do does the apa come to these stove manufacturers and try to give a a realistic expectation because right now the way it sounds is they got these wood stove companies at an unrealistic expectation on what these still what these stoves can do and perform to you know you went from zero you know or having five the eight different wood burning inserts down to zero and only yeah. having five freestanding stoves so i mean to me epa is not working with stove manufacturers in a positive way to keep the industry alive and and i don't yeah you know you know
2: i i, I, I and i think that's a i mean there's a good point there but no they're not coming to stove manufacturers now i i to kind of flip that stove manufacturers and the national chimney sweep guild um and and a couple other organizations too but you know they are bringing their concerns to you know the hearth patio barbecue association they're you know they're bringing their concerns about that for the stove manufacturers for us in the industry to them trying to lobby trying to you know get some movement there they don't care it's it they're not backing down on it you know all the regulations that were taken away from the auto industry they they really thought that um you know they would have what was called a sell-through which was stoves manufactured before may 15th and purchased by you know uh, stove sales places you know fireplace shops that they were going to allow a sell-through um that that went in front of them once was turned down they, they brought it back turned it down again um, they're not allowing a sell through if you are a stove shop you cannot even display a brand new stove that's non-compliant that's non-compliant cannot even display it you can sell second hand so let's say i go to your house and you had an old one that you want to replace with something that's more efficient and we bring it back we could sell that as a second hand or you could sell it mm-hmm. to a neighbor um so there is there are I guess some ways around you know you can still sell private sales that stuff can still happen nobody's going to come knocking on your door um or if somebody asked me out to install one that they purchased off of someone i can still do that mm-hmm. um but we just could not display it a right. um, lot of regulations too where the tag literally has to be hanging on the stove the manual has to be displayed with the stove mm-hmm. and they epa was sending people out I, i've got a lot of colleagues that had um
1: P- PPA Gestapo.
2: yeah literally stopping by stove shops and you know giving you a ticket for not having the the manual there or mm-hmm. you know maybe a warning but um you know they're checking these things um we don't really have a stove shop per se I've got a warehouse that we've got some burning displays for gas units but with wood burning we've never really had one you know displays
0: mm-hmm. um, have you ever thought about opening a brick-and-mortar
2: shop yeah I've thought about it um, but being in the industry watching kind of how the industry is evolving and changing mm-hmm. a lot of stove shops were hurting and wanting to add on service side mm-hmm. and the public has gotten you'll go online and you'll buy a two thousand dollar smoker without ever touching it you'll go buy a six thousand dollar sub-zero fridge without ever playing one one at your neighbor's yeah you know, shoot, Carvana, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you you know, you're, you're buying, uh, p- people have become more accustomed to buying it that way, reading reviews and things
1: mm-hmm. like that. Um, Making stove shops kind of uh, obsolete. I don't, and I don't know
2: that, and I don't know if obsolete's the best word for it, but what I have found is a lot, even, you know, in my side business, um, doing software, it is, you know, I've worked for stove shops that are adding on a service side to kind of stay afloat and to have another revenue stream because online sales, big box stores are hurting them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, with us, we're the company that they're already trusting in their home. We're the ones that see these appliances, not just on the showroom floor, but I mm-hmm. see them 10 years after they were installed and I've been working on them every year. So they do trust our opinion. And we do a lot of selling on out of brochures and things. So I am essentially a mobile fireplace shop. Right. Um, that can solve a problem for you when we're at your home. Um sure, there's gonna be those people that have to go see it first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause and, I've I've been to a place in Royal Oak, there's one, mm-hmm. Buellers or Boilers, whatever it's called. Yep. But they got so much other things, you know, the like grills and then yeah, outdoor fire pits and all that shit. I couldn't imagine the overhead.
2: Yeah. Well, that's like American yeah. Fireplace, I think, up there, uh, up near that area. Um, one of the large, it is the largest in Michigan, probably one of the largest in the United States, even. Mm-hmm. Um, hundreds of showroom models. Yeah. Um, it's just different. Um, their clients may be different because a lot of stove shops don't do their own installs. Mm-hmm. If we're selling you something, we're installing it. Right if you've got a problem in a warranty claim it's not two companies pointing fingers at each other mm-hmm. manufacturer or the the stove sales shop saying well it was installed wrong right. installer saying it's the appliance problem mm-hmm. we own the whole thing, whole thing. <laughs> yeah. you know so if the house burns down we're the ones getting sued if you've yeah. got a problem with warranty we're the ones covering it and there's no finger pointing so i think for for the client that can kind of you know can go that route it is a better you're you're more well taken care of right We were just, we were there because they had a a Traeger
0: event. Mm. And that's the only reason I know I ever knew about this place, going to that. Yeah. I couldn't imagine, you know. But like you said, they don't even have the service side, so they don't even have a crew that would be like, all right, this is how we're going to install it in your house. Yeah. They're like, no, you
2: called Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> he's the cheapest guy we've found. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going to install it for you. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, he may not even be licensed. Um, you know, in Michigan, we do have to pull permits for all these installs, liner installs, oh. stove installs, uh, gas lines. Um, a lot of times though, what people perceive as the biggest purchase is the appliance mm-hmm. and all this venting is secondary when realistically that appliance doesn't work well without the proper venting. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to work safely without the proper venting. And uh, people don't expect to go in and buy two appliances, but basically you've got the appliance cost, and then you've got the installation and venting, which could be just as much as the appliance that you're buying. Right. right.
1: So you uh, you brought up Joe Schmo off the street that can install this. Um, obviously, you know me knowing because I was in the industry, knowing yeah. that there are governing bodies over certifications and such. Um, who are those governing bodies, and the benefits of having the? A- the support of those
2: the realistic governing body in michigan is the you know is literally your mechanical license and builder's licenses mm-hmm. um
1: that's the only one that's enforced as far as like education though education in in, in in the industry yeah
2: so education the chimney safety institute of america is probably the i'll say the prestigious one it's the one that's been tried in court has held up in court and we're kind of held to those standards if you have that certification the value really comes in for the homeowner and their lawyer, <laughs> Right. because now you've got a, a company behind it saying, "Yeah, he should have known that." Mm-hmm. Where if you hire somebody that doesn't have well, that certification, there's a lot of loophole for him to get out. He can just plead ignorance, mm-hmm. and you know, there's no there's no leg to stand on, especially if he doesn't have insurance. Um, the other one would be the National Fireplace Institute, which is part of the Hearth and Patio Barbecue Association. Um, they have multiple ones like they've got a pellet they've got gas technician they've got wood burning technician um and we kind of have we, we require our guys any of our technicians going out have to carry those certifications um we also have to redo them every three years okay. so my first time certified was at 15 years old at that time i was the youngest in the nation Um, so every three years after that um, i've either had to retake the test an exam or have enough continuing education units to recertify that way. Um, We donate time to like Michigan Mechanical Inspector Associations and Home Inspector Associations. So, you know, you're buying a house, what can they see with a flashlight? Right. Um, You know, talking about home inspectors, uh, what can they see with a flashlight or from the ground? You know, is it missing a cap? Is it missing this? Um, To at least build some more value in their inspection report. And kind of warn them. So if you do buy a house, um, our Michigan standard for solid fuel requires what they call a level two inspection, which is where we are running the camera system. We're going to the basement, checking hearth underneath, going to the attic, any place that you can access that chimney and check in clearances. Um not usually something that realtors want or that, mm-hmm. you know, that people want to sellers, especially want done to a hundred year old or 80 year old structure. Right. Um, so it's not something widely advertised, but
1: as a buyer I'd highly oh, highly suggest yes. getting it, because I don't know how many times I went yeah. to do an inspection from somebody that just bought the home. And I asked, did you have this done before you yeah. bought the home? Because now you have about a $4,000 yeah. re- repair bill. that's right. going to be coming to fix this thing to make it, you know, yeah. usable.
2: That's probably one of the saddest parts of my job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm it, it, picturing hey, one last hey, don't, week.
0: Don't fucking buy this place.
2: No. And that's <laughs> right. the thing. It, well, <laughs> well, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Don't buy this place. places an awesome. No, like it's, that. the after, yeah, it's, it's the after. Yeah, it's after they. Oh, after buy they bought it. it. Because
1: they had such high hopes of having that Bingo. having that uh, fireplace going for Christmas and now they don't because you know the liner shot on it or whatever or yeah yeah, it's just it's just one thing that i'd highly suggest to anybody that's listening to this that if you are going to buy a home and it does have a fireplace have it inspected prior to oh that's the because it it could be it could be a four to six thousand dollar bill depending because i mean if the crown's bad you got some bad brickwork, you need some (laughs) waterproofing done or if you have you know a a furnace on there that needs a liner put in that flue because you're running a six by six or an eight by twelve you know there's so many things that you know you, you can end up you know Four, five, six grand. That's maybe. our takeaway here, gentlemen.
2: Yeah. Is if, if if your listeners take one thing away from this that could actually save them thousands in the future, mm-hmm. one takeaway, have it looked at first.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, the this time of year you're buying a house this time of year. Now that may be nearly impossible to get somebody there by closing. That's mm-hmm. that's one downside. Um, however everything's possible um -hmm. sure our normal scheduled periods of time Mm -hmm. are booked out till march but you can have anything you can pay for right i mean that's the the (laughs) truth yes you 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 guys you know you're just buying a house this thing's going to be closed in a few days yeah, we don't have any appointments open but you mm-hmm. can have anything you're willing to pay yeah. for and, yeah. and sure, that appointment may be a lot on an emergency rate or yeah. a saturday type of appointment pulling yeah. guys in on overtime
1: and my other suggestion but, is too is if you're going to have uh you know if you are if you are the buyer um you hire a company that you are comfortable with because oh, yeah. you'll get you'll get you know sellers that like They'll have some Joe Schmo come out, shine it up with the flashlight, and say, "Yep, looks good," yeah. and they'll and they'll write it off as that. I said, like, "Well, I had it inspected, and this so and so says this." Like, "Well, can I see some photos?" Yeah. Because with Dr. Flu, you will get photos. You'll get full documentation. You'll yeah. see what the you know the NFPA 211 code book states on this 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 malfunction of the of the fireplace. You know, missing mortar joints or whatever it is. If you're talking about yeah. you know uh, the, the masonry structure, but I mean, that's the biggest thing is you know protecting yourself and that way. You're not you know depending on, you know, or you're you're leaning on the, the, the seller to give you an honest, truthful report of what your, the condition <laughs> yeah. of this fireplace is. So
2: that leads me to one other thing that should also be a takeaway to this. Let's say you do have a home inspector out and you couldn't get a chimney guy there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they found some brick damage at the top or they they found some glaringly obvious problem. If you were buying a car mm-hmm. from someone and they said this side of the car, you know, you had some scratches in it. Do you want that seller to have that repaired? And he's going to take it to the cheapest. He's going to take it to Mako, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's going to have this thing, just the side of the car sprayed. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to take it to him and let him do it? Or are you going to negotiate on what you believe a, a true paint job should cost? Right. And just, just maybe just negotiate on the sale price of that thing, mm-hmm. Because what I have seen time and time and time again is, oh, the seller took care of that before he moved out. Yeah. <clears throat> we priced, as a matter of fact, Jake had priced a liner. Um, and I just saw this couple, three weeks ago, I think. And Jake's price was higher than what the seller could get this done for. Mm-hmm. We go out and as I'm sweeping this thing, literal chunks of, of material are falling out of the chimney. <laughs> and this guy's getting ready for his burning season and totally wrong installation, literal mortar falling off because these guys thought that you could just put mortar over metal that's gonna expand in heat. Mm-hmm. And he can't use this thing now. Mm-hmm. And now he's got the cost of removing and cutting out, literally cutting out what they've done to then restore and go in with what Jake had proposed, You know three, four, five years ago. That was probably the correct way to do it. It was, the, it was the correct way to do it. it. It was, and there was, there was materials. And I showed that guy, actually, I walked through what was missing from these, you know, from the installation they had and what we had shown. And I said, now add up these parts that they didn't use. And actually it would have been cheaper. Go,
1: <laughs> had, go they, our route, yeah. had
2: they've gone our route now putting on these other parts and actually removing it, you know, they're mm-hmm. going to have another 1600 bucks probably total into the total job. Yep where if they would have just said, okay, give us, you know, your price maybe was 3,600, give us 30 or give us 3,000 off of the sale of this right. house and we'll get it done. Yeah, mm-hmm. Don't, you know, don't let that seller fix it. Their only thing they care about, they don't care how long it's going to last. They only care about what am I getting out of it for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've touched on a lot of things today. Uh, you want to give your phone number shit out?
2: How can how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, they can get a hold of us. Um, probably easiest is drflu.com, chimney flu, which is an F L U E. So it can be drflu.com. it could be drflu.com. And our phone number is 1 E T get flu. G-E-T-F-L-U-E, which is 1 800 438 3583. we do have somebody live answering the phones uh, between eight and four every day, Monday through Friday and um, there's a web contact form you can fill out there too. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, House, um, probably Twitter, I don't know. I don't You guys Angel still do Angie's stuff. List and stuff like that? We're still on Angie's List. Angie's List is less valuable now that it's free. Yeah, but, um, yeah, right. We are still on Angie's List. We do not respond to requests for work through Angie's List because Angie's List charges you for it. Uh, gotcha, so we it's, don't need it's to not be, even a service to even use anymore? No, just- uh, So like,
1: they buried themselves? They did. They, yeah. they
2: sold out to investors and now it's... That's yeah. how it usually happens. Yep. Had something good and ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Angie.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Jake and I will be back next week.
1: Thanks for having me, I. Hey, thanks for yes, coming, Keevan. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: And uh, get your fucking chimney looked at.